Jesus Christ was somebody who lived, and he did not live for himself. He lived for others. And he actually was killed by us and rose again in the flesh. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembry. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV, taking you through the Bible in one year from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Today we read Romans 15, and we learn a lot about Jesus Christ. Very, very important. Right now, Corey and Ryan are here. Corey, what's going on? I'm taking a look at the emperor of Rome who may have been responsible for executing Paul and Peter. Ryan? Today, the apostle Paul declares to the Romans that the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. What's he talking about? Well, we'll talk about that a little bit later on. Yeah, God of peace, crush your under your shoulder. That's amazing. Okay, uh, Janice. Learning through the scriptures today. All right, take your Bible guide, turn to today's passage. Let's discover what God is saying. Romans 15, 1 through 12. We then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we, through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. Now, may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another, according to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind and with one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, Receive one another, just as Christ also received us, to the glory of God. Now I say that Jesus Christ has become a servant to the circumcision for the truth of God, to confirm the promises made to the fathers, and that the Gentiles might glorify God for His mercy, as it is written, For this reason I will confess to you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again he says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Laud him, all you peoples. And again Isaiah says, There shall be a root of Jesse, and he who shall rise to reign over the Gentiles in him, the Gentiles shall hope. Romans chapter 15, verses 1 through 12. Romans chapter 15 and 16. This is wonderful. You know, Romans is a great book written by Paul to the church at Rome, which is the capital's empire. I have a question. Why do we live? Why? Well, this is a key question, no matter when or where you are alive. If you are someone who believes in Jesus Christ, God, then you know that your life is ultimately destined for eternity. You're going to live forever. This gives you new objectives for your life here on earth. There's more to it than fulfilling your own desires and lust. Romans 15 describes how Christian is supposed to live. 
Now, Paul explains to believers in the decadent city of Rome that they live for a much higher purpose than personal indulgence. Jesus Christ calls us to advance his kingdom, not our own desires or our own wants. Now, there is a difference between our wants and our needs. Christians are to live following the examples of Christ, who did not live to please himself, but gave himself according to the will of the Father. Very interesting. I, I remember asking somebody once, and I've said this before on the program, and they said to me, the Lord isn't answering my needs. And I said, okay, well, let's, let's pray with you and see. Well, I just did just this 50-inch TV set. That's, and I said to him, well, could you, could you do it without 50 inches? Could you do it with a 42-inch? Could you do it? Well, no, I, know, I, I want, that's my need, the 50-inch, and I, I, I had to explain. God does not give us our desires necessarily, but he makes sure that we have everything we need. And beloved, we need to keep that in mind. There is a vast difference between our needs and our desires. So take your Bible guide and turn to today's passage as we look at the 15th chapter of the book of Romans. Now, let me ask you a question. Take your Bible guide. Do you have one? Well, if you don't, let me explain to you that you can write to us or call us and get one. And I would encourage you to do so. The Bible guide leads you through the Bible from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, which we're going to get to in December. And it's very, very interesting. We're about a month away from that now. And we're going to go through the rest of the New Testament. And then we're going to start over again. Now, the Bible guide's 12 a year. We send them to you. It's very important for you to get in the Word of God, beloved. And so keep that in mind. So you can write to us or call us. We'll send you one or go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com and click on the Bible guide there. And then you can download it as we have printed it. Father, help us today as we look at the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of man, but the kingdom of God, which is very different. I pray as we open up the book of Romans chapter 15, that you would speak to our hearts in the name of Jesus Christ. And we said together, Amen. Now, let's look at the scripture. Let's look at the first images that come in the scripture. Verse one, then he who are strong, then, then we then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak. Now, that, that right there is a very important statement. And do not please ourselves. I could do a whole sermon just on that first verse. Okay, but let's, let's go on. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. Again, I could do a whole sermon on that. Verse 3, for even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. Wow. Jesus gave himself to bear our burdens, not to please himself. Now, Christians follow the commands and the ways of Jesus Christ. Did you know that Jesus Christ has commands and he has ways? One of them is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. Another one is love your enemies. Another one is he, he commands us, he tells us, blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. And he does so in Matthew 5. That, that's very interesting. See, we don't think of that as commands. But that is 
Now, we need to take a look at this closer because this gets even more interesting. He continues in verse 4. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, Paul says, that we, through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. Boy, do we need that today. That we might have hope. Verse 5. Now, may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded towards one another. (laughs) That's really interesting. According to Christ Jesus, verse 6, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. This is really something. Being like-minded means we do not pursue our own desires, but we live to honor God. Building the kingdom of God is the most important thing we will ever do in our lives. Now, beloved, when we need to focus, we need to focus on what this means as a community, our nations as communities, and our believers as people. We are citizens of heaven if we follow Jesus Christ. We need to look at this carefully because we need to be like-minded according to the Bible. That's what the Bible says. Interesting, isn't it? Let's go on. Verse 7, Therefore receive one another, just as Christ also received us, to the glory of God. Now I say that Jesus Christ has become a servant to the circumcision for the truth of God, to confirm the promises made to the fathers, and that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy as it is written. Listen to what's written. For this reason, I will confess to you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again, he says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Laud him, all you peoples. And again, Isaiah says, there shall be a root of Jesse, and he who shall rise to reign over the Gentiles in him, the Gentiles shall hope. Okay, what's Paul getting at? Well, Paul confirms that the call to the Gentiles is just as sacred as the calls to the Jews. The calls to the Gentiles is just as sacred as the call to the Jews. Now, remember, God gave his son as the hope, not only for Israel, but for all nations. God has given Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior, that the world through him might be saved. He he gave to save the world, not just the Jewish people. So we need to keep that in our hearts, keep that in our minds, because God is speaking to us right now today in the midst of the chaos and the frustration and the mess ups in this world. God speaks to his people. And here's what God says. Are you following me? Do you know me? Do you understand my word? And I would suggest that if you do not read the Bible, you should. Hi, Rod Hembry. We go through the Bible in one year. It's exciting. It's great. And you can join us by searching Bible Discovery TV on your phone. 
That's right, on your phone, your iPhone, or your Android phone. And when you do so, you'll find the app. You can download the app and watch it anytime you want. Never miss a program right here on Bible Discovery TV. We'll see you there. So today I want to take a look at the Emperor of Rome, who is extremely, you know, he's both infamous and famous for his, his wild antics and, and for the horrible things that he really did. And um, Christian history tells us that uh, this man was responsible for uh, the, the martyrdoms of both Paul and Peter uh, and countless other Christians as well. And, and Roman history even testifies to this. So let's take a look at this emperor. 16-year-old Nero became emperor of Rome in AD 54 thanks to his mother Agrippina. Agrippina had married her uncle, an emperor of Rome, Claudius, who adopted Nero, her son, from a previous marriage and named him heir over his own son, Britannicus. Agrippina then poisoned Claudius so that Nero could take power, but her expectations may have been disappointed. In a sweeping move, Emperor Nero married Claudius's daughter Octavia, poisoned his son Britannicus, and then had his mother banished from the palace, eventually ordering her assassination. With his power established and apparently feeling more safe, Nero began to rule peacefully and diplomatically for about five years. Theories for why often revolve around his famous tutor Seneca, the idea being that while Nero was young, Seneca had more influence. This brief period was followed by new lows for the office of emperor. Murders, carousing, indulgence, and neglect of an empire pushed Romans to gossip about their mad king. Nero denied himself nothing. He is said to have murdered his wife Octavia, presenting her head on a platter to the new object of his affection, his friend's wife. He ordered their divorce and married her, only to personally kill her later in a fit of rage while she was pregnant. In Christian history, Nero is remembered for being the executioner of Peter and his wife, and Paul. These martyrdoms coincide with the bloody aftermath of a fire that swept through Rome in AD 64. Nero was out of town when the fire happened, but when he saw the devastation, he performed a song from a play on a rooftop, causing rumors that he himself ordered the fire for show. Nero then began a mass persecution of Roman Christians, blaming them for the fire and torturing them brutally and publicly. When Nero unveiled an assassination plot against him by some senators, he began executing liberally. Eventually, this caused the military and Praetorian Guard to rebel against him, and one of his aides in AD 68 helped along his so-called honorable suicide. So there you have it, just a really quick biography on Emperor Nero. Not a nice guy by anyone's estimations. I mean, when you look even into the Roman historians, they talk, they, they speak very brutally and bluntly about him as well. Um, and regardless of whether Paul and Peter were martyred under Nero, which I think, you know, there's, there's quite a bit of historical reasons to believe that they were, we know that many other Christians were murdered at his hands. In fact, what he did with the Christians, yeah. uh, it was just horrible. I mean, absolutely horrible. It's described very brutally, isn't it? Yeah. The, I mean, the city, and the city's burning, and he blames it on the Christians. Yeah. He probably did it himself. Maybe. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's just incredible. Just incredible. So, anyway, that's really something. Thank you, Corey. Mm -hmm. Very good. Ryan? 
All right, so today is our last program in Romans, but before we move on to 1 Corinthians, I want to focus on a very small but very meaningful verse. It's actually easy to let slip by, but it's very important. And that's Romans chapter 16, verse 20. And here Paul proclaims that the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. But what exactly does he mean by this? Well, it all goes back to the beginning, back to Genesis chapter 3. Take a look. The Messiah, the Savior, Jesus Christ, was prophesied right from the very beginning. In fact, the very first messianic prophecy is declared through God's proclamation against Satan in Genesis chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly, and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. This offspring, identified as the seed of the woman, is very unique and unusual because it is contrary to the biblical norm. Normally, scriptural genealogies trace the seed after the male line, so this particular offspring was going to be different somehow. Though it was not made clear here how he would be different, God would later reveal through his prophet Isaiah that this seed will be born of a virgin. Hence, he is the seed of the woman and not of the man. Significantly, Eve also appears to have recognized God's declaration in Genesis 3.15 as a messianic prophecy. This can be seen in her response to the birth of her first son, Cain. Though English Bibles generally translate her reply as, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord, the words with the help of are not found in the Hebrew text. So in Hebrew, she literally says, I have gotten a man, the Lord. While she might have incorrectly assumed that Cain was that promised redeemer, she nevertheless understood the prophecy to be messianic. Like Eve, Lamech also seems to have understood the prophecy, but may have also misidentified his son as that Messiah. And he called his name Noah, saying, This one will comfort us concerning our work and the toil of our hands because of the ground which the Lord has cursed. Most significantly, it is apparent that Satan himself also recognized this prophecy as messianic and, as a result, made many attempts to prevent the birth and fulfillment of the Messiah. Genesis 3.15 is indeed the first of many messianic prophecies throughout the Old Testament, and we can be sure that Jesus Christ will soon crush the head of Satan once and for all. You know, we shouldn't be surprised to find prophecies about Jesus from the very start of the Bible, and all throughout it for that fact. Remember on the road to Emmaus how Jesus, beginning at Moses and all the prophets, expounded to some of his disciples in all the scriptures concerning himself. In Psalm 47 and Hebrews 10.7, declare that the volume of the book is written about him. On this side of the cross especially, it's easy to see that Jesus Christ is ever-present throughout the Old Testament. In fact, uh, it, and Jesus Christ is, has been there uh, and the Bible tells us, the prophets tell us, and, and they, they explain that Jesus Christ was the rock. And they came, he came with Israel. Mm -hmm. That's uh, right. That's so, right. I mean, when you talk about the time that Egypt was chasing Israel, and Israel had to, they, they were stuck on this side of the Red Sea. I mean, there was no way. And uh, they put, God put a fire up between them. And then he opened up the Red Sea and they walked across. And the question is, uh, who did that? Well, that must have been God or Jesus Christ. Now, this, this is the Jesus 
This is Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach. This is the one who we read about in the New Testament. This is absolutely fascinating. Yeah. And we yeah. need to pay attention to that because God is, has told us that he's done everything for us. And these are called the days in which we live are called the last days. Mm -hmm. And so these are the days which we must come to Christ because very soon the judgment of God is coming. And when it comes, some people say the judgment of God has already started. I personally believe that, no, this is man being foolish. Uh, and there's foolish things that go on and the, the turn of Satan and all that. But when the judgment of God comes, things will be different. So uh, very, very interesting, Ryan. Thank you very much. Janice? Well, you know, and just to carry on your thoughts here, you're talking about uh, the Old Testament. You're referring to uh, the Israelites coming out of Egypt and 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 God being, being with them and providing for them. And uh, the rock that followed them, we, we learn, is Christ, uh, Jesus Christ. And that's really what I wanted to talk about today as well in learning through the scriptures is what I titled my segment today because I'm focused in on Romans 15 as well. And it starts out, um, Paul is talking, he says, we then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. And here's the verse that I want to um, bring out today, highlight today in my segment. Verse four, for whatever things were written before were written for our learning that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. The scriptures that Paul is referring to here um, are the words from the Old Testament. And we need to take the Bible as a whole. We, as you've heard Rod say time and time again, that the Bible has a theme and, and, and that theme is Jesus Christ. And we can see that through the whole Bible, but we can't just pick up. Some people think that the Old Testament is old, so it's really not relevant. You can read it if you want, if you like reading. And, but it's not really relevant because anything that's important is in the New Testament. And that could not be farther from the truth. Um, it is a whole book. It is a message from God to us. And we need to start at the beginning and go through right to the end and not just skip over the, the, the portions that we don't necessarily like or that uh, we find difficult to read. You know, there are portions when we get into next year. Again, there's different portions. I know Chronicles, a lot of people go, oh, we're in the Chronicles. There's certain sections that, that it is more difficult to stay engaged. However, I believe that every word that is in this Bible brings us nourishment to our spiritual selves. Just like when we eat food, we can't physically see what we're eating and the nutrients in it, but we know the results of after we eat it, we can feel a difference in, in our health, in our well-being. Uh, the same thing with our spiritual selves. We need to be in God's word. It is what delivers us from our destructions. It's what brings healing to our mind, to our bodies, to our souls. And we need to do that. And, and Paul, refers to that here. He says, we need to learn through the scriptures and it brings the patience and the comfort of the scriptures that we might have hope. So let's do that. This program 
If you're new to this program, Bible Discovery, that's what we do. We discover the Bible. In January, we begin at Genesis 1, and by December the 31st, we're at Revelation chapter 22. We go through it. You know what? We're imperfect people. We're not going to get everything right, but we are learning ourselves with you, and uh, we look forward to that. And 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 Rod, and we can speak for our, our children uh, as well, Ryan and Corey and our son here, our staff. We have all been so personally impacted by the Word of God. We're not paid actors. We are not here for a job. We believe in the authority of God's Word. Uh, We believe what it says, and we want people to know about the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want you to learn with us. So let's be encouraged by what Paul is telling the people here as well today in... um, in this section of the Bible. I think it's important to remind everybody that because we're, we're coming up on the end of the year, uh, that we're, we're doing the Bible guide again, all fresh material. We've got the covers for the guides and all that done. I've seen them. They're beautiful. They're excellent, but it's all fresh material. And uh, as we write, we're usually two, two months ahead. And as we write, we hear God speaking in these times. And let me tell you something. These times are unique and different. If ever you wondered what God was doing, or if it doesn't seem like God's in control. Well, let me tell you something. If you read his word, you understand he's very much in control and you understand very much he is moving. And But you have to understand what his word says. When you understand that, then you realize. Now, I'm going to challenge you to write and get a Bible guide because I'm going to be stronger on this this year because we need to get in the word of God. We need to understand what God's doing. So, Write, call, or go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com, BibleDiscoveryTV.com, and get the Bible Guide. You can click on the Bible Guide. It'll tell you how to do it. Thank you for your donations, but it's important that we get ourselves focused on the Word of God. That's what we do on this program. All of us are dedicated to that. So make sure that you hear God this year and begin to read His Word. You know, it's important for us to make sure that we understand God's kingdom and he supports his kingdom through his people. We need to pray and ask God to teach us how to do that because God's kingdom is supported today by gifts and people who give. So Father, I pray today that you would help us to learn that we must give according to your will in the Bible. In the name of Jesus Christ, and we said together, amen. 